This is week number two of this teaching series, and um, I'm going to keep things kind of simple tonight. I'm not going to go too far too deep, but I do want you to write some things down as we move along. And I'm not going to have any notes on the PowerPoint, but you can hear things, write things down, and there will be a few things that I tell you to write down specifically. Last week, we laid some groundwork for this teaching series by answering three questions. Who is the enemy? Why is he ticked? And what do I do? How many of you were here and you remember that or have listened to the podcast? Good. Who's our enemy? Why is he ticked? And what do I do? And really the rest of this series is a continuation of what do I do? Okay, but unless you understand who the enemy is and why he's waging his war, you may not pursue the what do I do as intensely and as intentionally as you ought to. So I encourage you, if you, if you weren't here last week, um, to go back to the website, listen to the podcast so that you can get caught up and you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Which reminds me, that's why we made these book par- uh, bookmarks. One, so that you'll get in your word. And two, as a church, we're wanting to memorize this scripture. Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. And if you were here last week or you listened to the podcast, you know that, that um, years ago when my boys were little, we made this little rhyme for uh, memorizing these two verses, Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. And um, you guys remember that? Remember, if you weren't here, I'll just go through it. We're gonna, we got seven weeks, so we're good. But he goes, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the Okay, you want to try it one more time just in case? How many of you already have it memorized? How many of you worked on it and you got it down? Anybody? My wife? That doesn't count. You have it? For real? You'll come stand beside me then. Let's, <laughs> let's see what you got, little man. <laughs> Ready? I'll do the clapping, you do the rapping. Hey, that was pretty good. <laughs> you don't want to see me dance. <laughs> me either. <laughs> okay. So, Ready? Finally be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Close. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. It's pretty close. You know, the further you get into the verse, you kind of can't help but just kind of, and it's like we need this beat behind us. Anyway, whatever. So, hey, so if, so try to memorize that. If you, if you can't get it here, listen. You, it's on the podcast, so you can go back and listen to it. So Ephesians 6, really quick, look at Ephesians 6, verse 12. Ephesians 6, verse 12 is a pretty popular verse. Uh, a lot of us refer, it, refer to it when we're going through hard times or when we're struggling with a particular sin issue. But the, Paul says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. He goes on to say, but against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We talked about that uh, a little bit last week. But keep in mind that Paul wrote this letter when he was under house arrest in Rome. You can read in Acts chapter 28, Paul was incarcerated. Whenever I was writing my notes, I accidentally for the first time wrote incinerated. <laughs> like Paul was burnt up. No, that's not how it went. But Paul was, Paul was in prison, but the way that they put him in prison, prison was called house arrest. Okay, that just means that he was able to have his own house, but he was under guard constantly, day and night. In fact, um, most scholars believe that Paul would have been chained, literally chained, to a Roman soldier 
So I, don't, I was thinking about this all week. I don't know if you can picture it, but Paul writing his, his letters and he's chained to this Roman guard. You know, the Roman guard, just, his hands just, you know, I don't know how closely they were chained, but this is in my mind. That's what he looked like. His hands just sitting there and moving. And I'll just be honest with you. If it was me chained to a guy who's writing letters all day, I'd be like, <laughs> I used to do that to Melissa. Melissa, remember when we, I, do, I don't do it to her anymore, boy. But I would, she'd be writing something. I'd go, stop doing that. Anyway, I used to do that all the time when we were, when I was a little more immature. So I don't know. Maybe the guards were a little more mature than I am. But think about it, though. They could have very well been super frustrated that here they are guarding this religious fanatic when they could have been out with the rest of the legionnaires in battle and doing all that stuff. So it's not really a stretch to think that these guards could have been given Paul some grief, maybe struggling with him, maybe giving him a hard time. But Paul knew that the struggle that he was facing wasn't against one of these soldiers. He knew that he wasn't struggling against things that affected his body. He knew that he was struggling, not stuff against that, you know, some guard trying to force his pen across a piece of paper or something. He knew that what we were struggling with, what he was struggling with, what all the churches that he was writing to were struggling with, is forces of wickedness that are trying to pull my heart away from God. And that's why we talked last week about we've got to wake up to the war. It doesn't really matter if you believe it. It doesn't matter um, if you think it's true or not. It is true. We wake up to a war every day. It's a very real battle. Christy is, is feeling that battle um, tonight, today, and maybe even just a lot recently. And some of us are maybe more than others, but it's a very real battle. And if you have not woken up to it, you've got to wake up to the war. That's why we chose the, the tagline for this series. So he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And we know that Paul is a master of meaning two things at the same time. You guys know what I'm talking about? So right here, he certainly means the day of evil, meaning the last days. The end times, the days that Jesus said, nation will rise against nation, kings will rise against kings, kingdoms against kingdoms, and there will be great earthquakes, there will be famines, there will be droughts, there will be uh, terrors and signs up in the heaven. We know that that's the days he's talking about. He told the Thessalonians that that's the day that the man of lawlessness will be revealed. The son of destruction who will oppose and exalt himself over everything that uh, every object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. And this is all kind of end time stuff, but displaying himself as being God. He's talking about the Antichrist. He's telling the Thessalonians about the Antichrist. This guy who was going to come and, and kind of be an agent of Satan in the last days. And if you read in the book of Daniel, which talks a lot about things that will happen in the last days. In chapter 7, it talks about how he will literally be a boastful king. And if you were here last week, if you heard the, the podcast from last week, you know why that's significant. His job in heaven was to boast of God, by, but he got prideful because of, of how beautiful he was, how wonderful he was. And now here he is in the last days. He's boasting. He's a boastful king. It also says in Daniel 7 that he will speak out against the Most High. And listen, that he will wear down the saints of the highest one. And it says that the saints will be given into his hand for a period of time. Now you may be thinking, well, pff, we're not even going to be here for that. But you don't know that. We don't know that for sure. I mean, there are scriptures that indicate that the saints are going to be taken out before the tribulation. 
And I tend to believe those verses. But there are also verses that tell us we need to be ready for something. Isn't that true? That's why Paul says we need to be able to stand our ground. Able to withstand. Some of your translations say to withstand. Some even say to resist. We need to be able. But the only way that anybody is going to be able to withstand the kind of spiritual opposition that we'll see in the day of evil is to stand firm against the evil that comes against us every day. Isn't that true? That's what Paul's trying to tell us. Learn to stand firm now and you will be able to withstand whatever, (laughs) whenever. If you want to write something down, you can write this down. We will not be able to withstand if we don't take a stand every day. That's really important for you to get. We will not be able to withstand in the coming days, the days that all of us are discerning already that are, are coming. What the Bible says will happen in the end, day, in the end times, it's coming. But we will not be able to withstand stand in the darkest times if we are not able to stand firm on a day-to-day basis. And that's why Paul jumps right in to how to take your stand against the devil's schemes. And so look at verse 14. Ephesians 6, verse 14. It says, Stand firm then. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. The King James Version says something very similar. Having your loins girt about with truth. And I think it's the NIV, maybe the NLT. Several others say it like this. Put the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Or put on the belt of truth. Now, this is the first of six pieces of armor that Paul would have seen every day of his life while he was in prison, um, while this Roman guard was guarding him, because that's what the Roman guard would have had on. And actually, the belt wasn't really considered a piece of armor. It was really more of an under armor. In those days, people wore um, what's called a tunic. And a tunic is um, the, kind of this long, flowy thing. It's just what people wore back then, okay? It's, it's kind of the style. It's like, you know, we might wear our blue jeans. They had on their tunic, and they had, you know, certain kind of underwear under that. But everybody would have just had tunics on, okay? You're walking down the road, you got a tunic, you tunic. So they would have had those on too. But the belt is something that would gird up that tunic when it was time to fight. I was reading about that, and uh, I thought about how um, it, it says that, that um, well, the different translations, girding your loins with truth. Um, you think about how everybody else just had these, these tunics on, but they wake up, they put it on, they go about their day. But for the soldier, he wakes up and he has a completely different mindset. A soldier would have woken up and said, I'm waking up to a war. So he wakes up with a little bit of a different plan for the day. And the first thing he does is he puts on his full armor starting with his belt. And he started with the belt because, one, it was designed to keep all the other pieces of armor in place. But also, this belt, he would tuck his tunic up into whenever he would be ready to engage into a battle. So I'm coming, I got my tunic on, I got my, my stuff on, but when it's time to, you know, throw down, you guys know what I'm talking about, throw down the playground, when it was time to it, he would literally gird up his, um, his tunic and he would tuck it into his belt so that he wouldn't be able to trip. He wouldn't fall all over it. And so that's very, very important. He'd be tripping all over himself if he didn't have this belt to tuck his tunic up into. That's what gird means. Gird up. You guys know what a girdle is. Everybody knows what a girdle is, don't they? And they know what it does. <laughs> Sorry. Speaking of uncomfortable things to talk about in church. <laughs> As much as I hate to say the word loins in church, 
This is an important piece of the puzzle here. It's important to understand that the loins is the area surrounding and even protecting the reproductive organs. Okay? You put a sword there, not only would you be taking out this soldier, you would be taking away any chance of this soldier ever producing any more soldiers. Isn't that true? Think about that. I hope, hopefully I'm not getting too graphic here. But there's a reason. All this plays in to what he's talking about. There's a place in Deuteronomy 33, verse 11, that says, Shatter the loins of those who rise up against him. And it's talking about Israel. Shatter the loins of those who rise up against him and those who hate him so that they will not rise again. And it's not just talking about that soldier will be dead. It's talking about take out an entire generation. Take out the whole next phase of the army or the system or, or whatever it is. Paul is very, very choosy in the words that he uses. And it's this belt that a soldier puts on first. It's this belt that holds everything else in place. It's this belt that keeps us from getting tripped up in battle. And that protects and protects our loins. <laughs> keeps us able to reproduce. Paul says that it's this truth that represents, I mean, it's this belt that represents truth. And... Um, I think it's because the first thing Satan will hit us with, and you guys just listen to me. I'm kind of talking out loud now. But the first thing that Satan will hit us with is a lie. When you think about everything that we learned last week, we learned that he's a strategic genius. And he's got all kinds of strategies, but 100% of those strategies originate with deception. They originate with lies. The first thing that he hits us with is lies, deceit, manipulation, deception. It's no wonder that Paul says the first piece of armor that we want to talk about or the first issue I want to talk about, which would have also been the first thing that soldier, soldier puts on at the day, is truth. Of course it is. That's the number one thing, the most thing that the enemy is going to hit us with. And lies, if you think about it, lies are what get us tripped up more than anything else in our life. The things that trip us up in our faith if you take it all the way back, unravel all the strands, doesn't somehow it originate with a lie one way or the other? Absolutely it does. And there's nothing that will keep us from moving forward in the faith, growing in the Lord, reproducing Christ in our lives. Are you with me? The way a lie will. A lie will keep us from re- reproducing Christ. Keep us from imitating Christ. It just sets us back. That's why Paul says, gird your loins with truth. Can you guys see that? I think I was a little uncomfortable saying the word loins in church, but I'm, I'm starting to get over it. You good? Great. Let's all say it together. <laughs> loins. What I want to do just really quick is talk about three areas that I think the enemy consistently lies to us. He comes against us with lies in, in three specific areas. Two, probably more so than others. The third one you'll see, and this is actually true too. Okay, so if you want to write these down, you can. The first thing that the enemy will lie to us about or cause us to be, believe lies is just lies about God. He just puts forth lies about God. Lies about, I thought about this, lies about his existence. That's a, that's a trick that he's used for a long time. I thought about Pharaoh. Remember when Moses came in to, um, to, let, to ask Pharaoh, when Moses came in to ask Pharaoh to let his people go, remember what Pharaoh said? 
I don't know your God. They worshiped Ra, they worshiped the Egyptian gods, but he's like, I don't know your God. I don't know that your God exists. God showed him that he exists, didn't he? It's always been an issue. I'm not sure that it's ever been quite as big of an issue as it is right now. For a long, long, long season of time, the existence of God was not that big of a conversation. It's always been around, but it's not that big of a conversation. But isn't that one of the biggest things that's being attacked right now? Is God real? We're making movies about it. No, God's not dead. (laughs) You know what I mean? He will do anything to make people believe that God is not real. He speaks lies. He speaks deceit. Another thing he'll, as it relates to God, is he'll attack is God's character. Is God really good? Will God really come through his word, with his word? Does he really have plans to bless you, to prosper you, not to harm you? Is that really, that's what he came against Adam and Eve with. Has God really said? No. He's just trying to hold you back. He just knows that if you eat the fruit, that you'll be like him. He doesn't want you to be like him, knowing the knowledge of good and evil. Questioning his character. Is God really faithful? Think of the ways that you personally have, have questioned God's character in the last week. The insecurities that rise up, the fears that rise up, based upon what? Whether or not God will be and do what God says that he will be and do. And he will send lies our ways to keep us from believing the things that are true about God. Can I get an amen on that one? And I really could go on and on and on with with that. Another area, and this is the big one, I think. Another area where the enemy will come in and um, breed deception, speak lies, get us believing things that are not true, are lies about ourselves. This is a big one. As it relates to our, I thought I had a little rhyme going, as it relates to our birth, and of course I'm talking about our spiritual birth, our being born again, because we know, obviously I was born, right? I mean, flesh and blood, so I'm not really questioning that one. But how many people struggle with, am I really saved? I can't even believe how many people struggle with that. Am I really saved? You know? I mean, people, good people that you know, it's like, dude, why are you asking? Why is that God, why is Satan hitting you with that one? It's like, of course you are. You see it in their lives. You see the fruit of the Lord in their lives, the Spirit of God working in their lives. But somehow, there's this thing that slips in, and all of a sudden, they don't even know if they belong to God, if they're a child of God, it's crazy. But probably the biggest thing, and I'll spend most of my time here, the way the enemy will push us back and push us back and push us back. By the way, that when it says um, to stand firm or when it says to take your stand, what that really means, it's not saying just, you know, uh, I don't even know the picture I'm trying to paint there, but what that really means, did y'all like that though? What that really means is not to be pushed back, not to give the enemy ground, not to let him take ground. In other words, we've come so far in our faith. And I think there's a lot of people in, at Soma Church and abroad that are moving forward with faith. That's the theme for the year, moving forward with the faith. And we've come so far in who we believe God to be and, and the things that he will do and his promises and, and things we're learning according to his word. We've come so far, but the enemy is trying to literally push us back to that place of fear that we used to be. Push us back to the anger we used to know. Push us back into the addictions that we used to know. That's what he's doing. Push us back into the, um, it's all about me 
stage of life. You guys know what I'm talking about? Y'all remember that stage? Because when it's all about me, when we get back to it's all about me, then it's less about him. And that's where the enemy wants us. We talked about that last week. If he can keep us from worshiping God, if he can draw us away like he did one third of the stars from God, he's okay. He doesn't care whether we sin or not. By the way, people can have a pretty righteous life and still be far from God. It says it all over Scripture. Amen? So he doesn't care about sin. Whatever, if it's sin, that's great. But if it's other things, which I guess it's all sin, but you hear what I'm saying. But the other thing that I think is big that he comes in when, as it relates to lies about us has to do with our worth. You can write that down. This is the one we're going to spend the most time on. Our worth. Man, this is the big one. If he can convince us that we are not worthy to come to God, and we know that we're not worthy in and of ourselves, but because of Christ and everything that he's done on the cross, we have been made worthy. We've been brought near by the blood of the Lamb. We're not far away anymore. We're worthy to be in his presence because of the work of Christ. Paul talks about that a lot. It's not any work that we've done, lest any man should boast, but it's because of the work of Christ that I'm able to stand before God and in Him, Scripture says, in Him, I'm complete. Isn't that what Scripture says? And yet the enemy comes in and says, no, you're not. You're not complete. And he'll nitpick those little areas in our lives that we're still working through. You guys know what I'm talking about? Because we're on a process of being sanctified and becoming more like Him and becoming imitators of Christ. But boy, He will work on those areas that we're most sensitive about. Why? Because He knows us. He's been watching us. He's had His little minions, His little crew, His little soldiers on his side of the army, watching our every move. Oh, yeah, this is what you want to hit Tony with. Gets him every time. Am I right? Am I wrong that most of the time when we have a setback in our faith, that it definitely can be brought back to a lie, but I would say 75% of the time at least, it has something to do with our feelings of unworthiness. Would you guys agree with that? I thought about how he's done this, golly, I mean, so many times in Scripture. I was thinking about the time when, uh, was it the sons of Korah that came to Moses and Aaron? And Moses and Aaron had been running the show, you know? But they were complaining. They were like, who made you the top-notch guys? Who, Who made you the only guys that can hear from God? And Moses and Aaron are like, we never said that we're the only ones that could hear from God. God just gave us some instruction. and You know what I mean? But there's this big scene. And God spoke to Moses and said, I want you to tell the sons of Korah and all those other guys, all the, all the leaders from the, the tribes, to bring a staff. You guys remember this story? Bring a staff and set it into the doorway of the holy place. And the next day, and it says, whichever rod or staff I cause to bloom is the man that I approve. The next day, it says that Aaron's staff, who would have been of the tribe of Levi, had almond blossoms on it. This dead stick. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? This dead stick. To this day, almonds are a symbol of God's approval for the Jewish people. Isn't that something? So here Moses and Aaron are. They're just doing what God said. But all these people attacking them, not just them, but their role. 
And maybe they were thinking, well, gosh, I don't know, man. I don't know. But God says, no, 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 no. Stop this right now. And I believe God would be doing that for you if you'll listen to him. God would be saying, no, stop this right now. <laughs> Amen. We did that as a body tonight for Christy. You know, you stop this. Okay. God's not dead. He's shit. Okay. <laughs> Jesus himself, what was he hit with? When he was led out by the Spirit of God to fast in the desert. When he was led out there by the Spirit, what was he with, uh, hit with? If you really are the Son of God. When he tried to hit Jesus with that one, like, what do you think of Jesus? Huh? You know what I mean? If you really are, what did he try to get? His self-worth, his position, his role, who he is. You guys, this is a big one. He will lie to you. I, I just felt like this week that some of you are being, I'm being lied to in a lot of areas. Some of us are being lied to so intensely that it is pushing us back again to those old places that are familiar. Fear, insecurity, anger, doubt, sin areas. God's saying, no, 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 no. Through Jesus Christ, my son, I have approved you. You are approved. You are worthy. Amen? Is this not good news? The enemy is sly as a fox. Remember the teaching series we did called The Fox? Remember, catch for us the foxes, the small foxes that ruin the vineyard. And we talked about how that vineyard really represents our love relationship with Christ. Think about what that's saying. Catch for us the foxes, the small foxes that are ruining, some versions say, destroying our vineyard. Trying to destroy our love relationship with God. And we covered a ton of different foxes that do that in particular. Our self-worth is a big one. You have to pray through that. You have to, you have to declare the word of God over your life. I am. What do we, Sean said something tonight. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We have to declare those things over ourselves and believe them and move forward with them and take the authority over the enemy. We have the authority over the enemy because Christ is in us. Amen? So he'll come at us with lies about God. He'll come at us with lies about ourselves, uh, especially, you know, our worth. And this one maybe is a little different. I actually have two more. I jotted one more thing down. Is that okay? I have a couple more. This one may seem a little out of place, but it's really not. <laughs> he will come at us with lies about other people. Why? Because where there is unity, the Spirit does great things. But a house of divided against itself can't stand. So we'll play that card. Let's get them talking about each other. Let's spread lies. Let's get gossip going, rumors going. Am I right? How many times have we said, oh, I knew it. I knew they were doing that. I knew it. I could sense it. You guys know what I'm talking about? How many times have we said that? How many times have, ooh, this is awful. How many times have we delighted in someone's mistakes? Of course we do. When they make mistakes, I look better. Right? That's what we do. And sometimes things, sometimes the enemy will whisper something about, it's like, where did that come from? Why did I just have that thought? And it could be anything, but you're like, wow, I'm, I'm really discerning right now. 
this about that person. It might not be discerning anything. You might just be judging, and it might be the enemy trying to cause division. Amen? Paul said, love believes all things. Our first choice in our view or, or uh, when filtering things that come into our head, whether it's the, maybe the enemy whispering or others come to us in the spirit of gossip, our first reaction should be, love believes all things. By the way, you know what a great phrase is? Have you talked to them about that? Well, no, I'm not going to. Well, then don't talk to me about that. Right? We don't do that enough. Why? Because I want to hear the stuff. Tell me the juice. How juicy is it? Lies about other people. I know that one's a little different. But here's the thing. Uh, if you notice, he says, um, gird your loins with truth. It doesn't say gird your loins with the truth. In other words, we're not girding our loins with the gospel, with the truth of God, like the good news. He's assuming you already believe in Jesus. You're already there. You're already a um, a man of the truth, a man of God's word. You're already a believer. You're already a Christian. He says, gird your loins, gird, how does it say it? What does it say? It says, stand firm, having girded your loins with truth. And I mean, I'm talking, every scripture I looked at, it doesn't, it doesn't say the truth. It says with truth. And so my last thought was just truth in general. Man, if the enemy can come in and cause us ourselves to lie, then he's, he's, there's a flaming arrow that has gotten through some of the armor. When he can cause us to lie, and it seems so elementary to talk about lying in big church because we don't do that. The kids do that. You know what I mean? Right? 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 <laughs> Think of the little small ways that we have opportunities to lie. When we do that, and I, I'm not even going to give examples because I'll feel stupid, but you guys have your own examples in your own lives, and so do I. But ways that we stretch the truth, avoid the truth, flat out lie, white lie, black lie, whatever you want to call it. He says, you've got to gird yourself against that. Gird up your loins. Pull up your tunic and, and get ready to move, but don't move in deceit. Move in truth. Amen? And again, this list is one of six things that Paul, and did you ever notice that he doesn't go into great detail? He just says, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, he didn't say belt of truth and what that means. He just lays it out there. And I think it's because he assumes we already get these six things. These are like basic things that we should probably get. He does a great job of giving this analogy that we can study and go deeper in. But as a whole, I think he's, saying you should, I think he's thinking you should already have this stuff down. These six things. What are they? Truth, righteousness, peace, right? Anybody know any other ones? Salvation, faith, and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. He's like, you should already know these. But the truth is, is that we know more than we do. Isn't that right? Man, I don't know of any, any way to spruce, spruce all this up. It just is what it is, isn't it? The enemy comes in, and he tries to lie about God. He tries to lie. He tries to get us believing lies about ourselves. He'll get us lying or believing lies about others. He'll even get us to lie if we can. As good and righteous as we are, he'll get us to lie. 
but when, and I'll end with this, when we do, when we do, not only is it an open door, it's like you've just laid yourself open and you've been pushed back. And every time you let that in, it's a push back. It's a push back. Because God's not in that. God's not in lies. What's that scripture that says, Satan does not stand in the truth. This is John 8, verse 44. Satan does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and he is the father of lies. So if there's anything that floats in the pool of deception, (laughs) how poetic was that? Then that's the enemy's pool. That's where he swims. I don't know what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you through this stuff. It could be anything from concern for yourself or for someone else. It could be conviction about areas of deception in your own life, ways that you've believed the enemy, ways that you've played, you've been on his team and promoted things that are not true. I just want to encourage you to respond to the Lord. But I really want to encourage you on a couple levels. I want to encourage you to read through these. He presents it in a very basic, manageable form. But you can do your own study. And then take inventory. Man, and what, what are some things that, what are some lies that I've been believing about God? His character. Most of us here probably believe that God exists. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. But what about his character? Are we unsure of? Are we doubting? What about ourselves and who we are in Christ? Are we doubting? Take inventory. Take inventory. This is God's word. And Paul is, and I'll just say this before we leave. I can never shut up, can I? I want you to think about this. It says that the enemy basically is a tactical genius. Well, think about Paul. Think about what he was doing before he surrendered to the call of Jesus. He was ruthlessly killing Christians. If anybody knew how to push Christians back, it was Paul. Isn't that right? I mean, he had a clue. Guys, here's what I used to do. Here's the tricks of my trade, which are obviously rooted in, in uh, the enemy's schemes. So we read this, and we, if we can just think about that, it's like Paul probably knows what he's talking about. Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Let me tell you how. I'm familiar with some of his schemes. If you will gird your loins with truth, if you will put on the breastplate of righteousness, if you will get solid about salvation and peace and faith, if you will get solid in these six areas, I promise you, you will not walk defeated. Isn't that right? Otherwise, it's just words on a paper, on a page that we just kind of refer to every now and then and like to make little cutouts for kids with in children's ministry. This is real stuff. It's a real war. We have to wake up to it. And like I said last week, We also have to realize we wake up to it every day and we have to put on the armor.